Okay, let us let us begin. All right, welcome back to another talk podcast. Last one for me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and sadly, I should I should point out in case you're unaware of it, this is this is Vicker's last week with us, and it's his last podcast. Sadly, the year has gone by much too fast. And um, uh, just a reminder that this Sunday. Um, you will have an opportunity to give your final goodbyes at the Big Bash, and we have only one service, so keep that in mind, one service at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's uh, going to be a, a full service with a baptism on Sunday, and um, so you get the full word and sacraments all in one, one place, so it's going to be really a good one to end on for me, <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I can't believe the year has gone by, but... Um, been a blessing and a joy, and um, I've enjoyed doing these podcasts with you, um, being able to look at uh, our upcoming epistle reading, and then look at our hymnody, which is wonderful uh, to, to broaden our understanding and, and depth of hymns that we can sing as a congregation, so that's been great. Um, so we're going to be following um, the order for daily prayer at noon, uh, page 296 in Lutheran service book. Um, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. Evening, morning, and noon. I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Glory, Glory be, be to, to the, the Father, Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and will be forever. forever. Amen. Amen. Okay. So... We are now jumping into week two of being in the book of the uh, Colossians. Um, and last week, Pastor um, gave the introduction, right? Because it was the opening um, The first, first week yep. out of this book. Right, exactly. Um, and I don't, so I don't know exactly how much he went into background, um, but we're going to be picking up um, in verse 21 of the first chapter. And... If we just remember, broadly speaking, um, the Colossians, so the church in Colossae, um, is a very Gentile community, right? It's not uh, very Jewish at all. There's a very small amount of, of Jews there, so it's, it's very heavily Gentile, which again makes sense, considering it's Paul, the one who is going right to uh, evangelize to these people. Um, interestingly enough, the Colossians, or the church of Colossae, what they're struggling with is actually an early form and what scholars think as the beginning roots of the Gnosticism heresy. Um, so for those who don't know what that is, um, Gnosticism was um, a, a heresy, a false teaching that arose in the church pretty early on. And um, it taught that on a basic level, creation was bad and it kind of took away the idea of looking at the body and focus more on the spiritual side of things. Um, so the body's corrupt, let's focus on the spiritual. Um, but in so doing, they kind of negated the humanity of Christ and only focused on his, um, the, the spiritual side of him. Um, and so in a horrible way, right, that rejects the main thing that we talk about with Christ is yes, he's divine and spiritual, but he's a human, right? Fully God, fully man. And that's, the, that's what makes us redeemed through him, right? Is that he is the man in our place. Um, and so that heresy is horrible, <laughs> you know, because it takes away um, the humanity of Jesus. Um, 
and again focuses on the spiritual, whereas Paul is trying to remind the church that, no, the humanity of Jesus is important, and that the creation is actually, yes, corrupt because of sin, but now is being restored through the new creation in Christ, right? Um, he brings the new creation into um, its fullness, and he renews creation, and that's the beauty of it, is that our humanity is restored um, in him. In the, in the early centuries of the church, this was probably one of the most common heresies, right? Yes. Because it was, the, mm -hmm. it was the most difficult thing for them to, to grasp was that God could be both human and divine. Correct. And so yeah. I, I, it stands to reason why that was, that was the front on which they were challenging uh, what Paul was trying to teach them. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, it's a, that, that particular heresy of Gnosticism is, is not named by name per se Correct. in any of right. his epistles right. because it was only later that it was formalized into what you might call a, a theology of its own. Yeah, exactly, right? yep, yep. But so, the, trace, the traces of it are there. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so that's where we, we look back, right, in history and we think, okay, oh, that's where it started, right? Or that's where, uh, yeah, it's kind of beginning point was and then spread. Um, and the interesting thing enough that nowadays, you know, uh, as Pastor likes to say, the devil is not um, unique, right? Uh, heresies and things of the church that are, are incorrect just kind of re-spin themselves into modern context. And our 21st century modern context is very much Gnosticism. Because what, what do most um, loose Christians and people who like to, like, don't like to attach themselves to any specific group, what do they always say? Well, they say that they're spiritual, exactly. but they're not, yeah. Yeah, so that's it. So it's a, a focus on the spiritual, um, de-emphasizing humanity in the body, um, and so it's just Gnosticism rearing its ugly head in today's context. <laughs> so um, very much important for us to fight back against in the church. Um, so that was a long-winded way of introducing <laughs> us but to... But it's, a, but it's important background. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so keeping that in mind, let's... Um, Jump right into the text. Paul, if you would be so kind to read uh, verses 21 through 23, please. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Okay. One sentence. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's classic Paul, right? That's, uh, yeah. Um, I think it's in Romans, if I'm not mistaken, where he has, I mean, probably, what, five verses maybe or six verses that, that we have. That's really one sentence that he just keeps going on and on. Um, and that's what makes him hard to kind of follow. So we break it up in our modern day. But yeah, okay, so there he is. He's talking. So when he's saying you, right, that first word of, of verse 21, who's the you? Well, it's the Gentiles, right? He's not talking again to really Jews. He's talking to Gentiles, and he's saying, hey, you were once alienated and hostile in your mind. Again, reminding them of their Gentile ways are simply pagan ways, right? Nothing connected with God, and their ways are sinful. And what do we always talk about uh, when I teach the kid, kids in catechism about sin? I always talk to them about where does sin start? 
doesn't start in an action, right? It starts in an inner thought. And so that's kind of what Paul is saying here. You who are alienated and hostile in your mind, you were doing evil deeds, right? Because it starts in the inside, right? With an evil desire, um, a pagan thought. And then that leads to sin acting itself out, right? So the action, the evil deeds. Um, so you were once that, but hey, remember that you are now reconciled in Christ, right? In, now here he emphasizes to again speak against the Gnostics who are focusing on the spiritual, you were reconciled in the body of Jesus' flesh, right, through his death. Um, and it's through that body of flesh and that crucifixion, right, he doesn't use those exact words, he says his death, um, in order that you were now presented holy, right, set apart, unique, and blameless, and above reproach before him. A lot there. Um, let's talk real quickly about the flesh part again. Um, so often in our churches, right, what do a lot of Lutheran churches have but also don't have is a crucifix, right? Because a mm -hmm. crucifix is a cross with Christ, the corpus, right, the body hanging on it. Um, and a lot of times in our more modern day context, we don't like to see Jesus on the cross because we like to focus on his resurrection. But really the crucifix, that is a symbol of our faith, right? It's not the empty cross, it's actually the cross with Christ on it. That is the symbol of our faith. And Paul is pointing to that here. You were reconciled, not because of the empty grave necessarily, you were reconciled because of the body of flesh on the cross shedding the blood, right? Because it's the blood that pays for your sin. Um, and so I always like to remind people, obviously there's nothing wrong with having an empty cross, but don't um, shy away from or get skittish when you see Christ on the cross because that is the symbol of your faith. That's how you've been reconciled because of his uh, fleshly death, right? And the shedding of his blood. And because of that, now you are before him, because he is the judge, right? On the last day, he will be the judge of all the living and the dead. Now you stand before him above reproach, right? Where you can't be charged or accused of anything because you are actually covered in his blood, right? Redeemed by him. Um, so it's a cool thing. You're gonna stand before Jesus on the last day who is your judge, but he's also the one who acquits you, right? He's the one who stands to say in that courtroom scene, right, as, as Paul says in another place, that the one who is judge and jury is the same person, right? Mm -hmm. And so you are acquitted uh, before the one who stands as your judge. And so that's a, a beautiful image there. Um, but notice how he quickly jumps in 22 to say that you stand above reproach before me on the last day, essentially, if you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you had. So what is he trying to remind them there? You can fall away from the faith, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not just, uh, like we talk in Lutheran terms, universal justification and subjective justification, right? You are universally justified because of Jesus' death, and now you've been given that faith subjectively as well, but you have to continue in it, right? You can't just then negate it, fall away from it, and think that somehow you're going to uh, still be blameless and above reproach on the last day. No, you must remain stable and steadfast in this faith, uh, not shifting from the hope that you have in the gospel. Um, 
of which Paul is reminding them, hey, I became a, a minister to you to remind you of this, to keep you in this, um, so that it does not fall away from your ears or your hearts. Um, so, yeah, any, any thoughts with that? Well, it, it's interesting, the note that's in this passage about um, th that this, was, this gospel was proclaimed in all creation or an alternate translation to every creature, yeah. which is obviously a, you know, a hyperbole, but that, that, you know, that, I mean, all people are saved, but then we're talking about all of creation. But then yep. that does, that does fit nicely with the, with the notion of, of the new creation, that there yep. will be a new creation in the end times. Yep, absolutely. That, and that's, again, kicking back at the Gnostics out there who want to just focus on the spiritual. We are not the only ones redeemed in Christ's reconciliation, but the whole creation is redeemed, like you're saying, on the last day. That's our hope. That's our focus, is that the new heavens and the new earth come into form because of what Christ has done, right? We don't just remain spirits um, on the last day, but we have flesh and a new creation. We don't know exactly what that means, but we can assume for the fact of if it's creation, that there will be everything that we see now, it just in a perfect form again, you know what I mean? Um, without sin and corruption, um, as it was supposed to be in the beginning. So that's uh, the beauty of the reconciliation in Christ, that the whole creation is made new, and that promise um, is given. And that's what the gospel proclaims, right? Um, yeah. So one thing I just want to say, too, with this, understand that the verbiage he uses here, reconciled, right, in the Greek, that's past tense, right? Mm -hmm. So just to reiterate to people, hey, this work has already been completed in Christ. There's nothing for you to do. This is a matter of fact, so hold to it, right? Rejoice in it and hold to it. Um, and so emphasis on nothing that you do, but what's already been done for you in Christ. Um, so, okay. If we move forward, let's see, 24. Can you go through 26, please? Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Okay, yeah. So, let's start. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Um, Paul says that in many places throughout his epistles that he always rejoices in his sufferings, which is right something we don't uh, like to do. And I know that we've talked about this in other podcasts before, of just what does it look like as a Christian? A Christian life is suffering, right? Um, and Paul is not complaining about his suffering, but he's actually rejoicing in it because all Christians suffer with Christ as part of their service to Christ, right? And their service to the neighbor. Um, and he rejoices because what is happening to him, right? The pains that he goes through to preach the gospel, to bring it, to go to place to place, the afflictions he uh, has in his body physically, right? From people beating him and doing all of these things to him as he goes to all of these places to proclaim the gospel. What is it serving the purpose of? But to further the gospel, right? Uh, to further the agenda of Christ, right, to build up the church. And so nothing greater 
can come, that is the greatest thing that can come, right? From those things, the progression of the church, right? That the uh, building up of the church. Um, and so rejoice in that because uh, the work of Christ is actually being done and fulfilled in you and through you. Right, and being careful not to understand it as, as suffering somehow completes Christ's work. It, Correct. It, it, Correct. It's an ex, it's an extension of our of our Christian identity, but it's not like we we earn some kind of merit. It it kind of takes yep. me back to that 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 medieval understanding of of well, if if you if you beat yourself, you know, you're somehow yeah. suffering greater. It was a it was a uh, was from the Middle Ages. Yeah, you know, Luther a, a did that himself. Yeah, yeah, a practice of 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 abusing yourself yep. just to to realize that more fully. Yeah. No, and, and sadly, right, that was a, a total misconstruction of what is going on here. Because again, like you said, Christ's sufferings for our salvation are complete, right? We don't add anything to it. But what is the whole point of the Christian life but to help the neighbor, right, and to further the kingdom? Um, because God uses agents, right? And we are his agents through which uh, the kingdom is furthered. And so... Uh, rejoice in those, accept the sufferings uh, that God puts on your life, and pray about how they can be used to further the kingdom, and know that in your sufferings, as you remain faithful to Christ through his remaining faithful to you always, right, as I said in about two sermons ago, um, now the benefits are going out to the church, um, and the works of God are being brought uh, forth and being proclaimed. Okay, so that's 24, 25. Um, Paul is saying, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Um, so the word stewardship um, in the Greek, really it translates to management, right? Or plan. So to be a steward is to be a manager of something um, over an economy of something. And so... God has made Paul a manager uh, looking over uh, the mysteries of who he is, right, in the gospel, and going out and doing well with those things and proclaiming them and making them known to the people, right? Uh, as Jesus said in one of his parables, it does no good to have the gospel and to bury it, right, uh, only keeping it for yourself, like the talents, right? That's the parable of the talents, that if you had one talent, right, that's just for you. That's like you have the word of God. You know who Christ is. You don't just bury it in the ground uh, and then on the last day say, hey, look at I have faith. No, you're supposed to be a good steward of what God has given you and proclaim and show forth and continue uh, to live in the gospel truth. Um, well, and, and this is, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a this is one of the key features of Gnosticism too, is that there were only certain people that understood these mysteries. Yes, exactly. Whereas what right. Paul is trying to refute theirs is that that it's for everyone. I'm I'm trying to reveal these to you. I'm not yep. of a, a special class or group that that's understands these mysteries. Yeah, exactly. And and on top of that not only was it um, certain groups that only understood it, but they also proclaimed that even to those people, the message was deficient. It wasn't full, that they couldn't fully understand it. And so Paul is saying here to oh, combat both of those things, that it's not only is the gospel message full and complete in and of itself, right? So it's not deficient, it's full, 
But like you said, it's not just for a select group of people, it's for all people, right? Um, and so. Was, was it because they, it was, uh, that special group had some kind of special revelation or wisdom? Yeah, or, that's how they, yeah, exactly. They characterized yep. it? Um, okay. Later on, he talks about, um, in 28, about all wisdom. And so, yes, it was like this idea of the mystery, um, only a secret that some people could know, right? And mm -hmm. that only people would be told that. And so, again, it doesn't, truly it doesn't even make sense because people were just claiming Right, that oh they knew it, mm -hmm. and that so it didn't even it didn't even truly make sense, um, and so Paul is is refuting that fully, um, and so the mystery hidden from ages and generations but now revealed to his saints, verse twenty six. Um, wonderful how he uses the word mystery there because God's plan of salvation was a mystery and hidden in the mm -hmm. Old Testament, right? Mm -hmm. um, even though it was. Uh, foreshadowed, it was simply in those shadows and types, you know, showing forth who Christ would be and what he would do as the Messiah. Um, people didn't know fully. It was all in those shadows and types that um, the plan of salvation was being revealed. But now in Christ, that mystery is fully revealed. And now in the word of God being proclaimed, he's being revealed fully um, as well. And so uh, not only, to your point earlier, not only did the Gnostics hold to that notion of uh, secret knowledge, but that also had to do with pagan religions at the time, too. That pagan religions used that whole idea of mystery in order to um, control and have their knowledge be given to a limited few as well. Um, and so Paul, again, is, is refuting pagan notions uh, heretical notions with, that are uh, spurring in the church to show that, yes, we talk about our faith as a mystery, but it's not a mystery that's hidden anymore. It's a mystery that's fully revealed and given to who? To his saints, right? To the holy ones. Mm -hmm. Now, the great thing there, who are the holy ones? It's, it's everyone. It's everyone, yes, as the gospel is being proclaimed, but tied in this, uh, and, and kind of background is the holy ones are the ones who have been baptized. So the ones who have been set apart. Um, Christians are made holy and complete through faith in Christ, given to them in the proclamation of the word, right? But also uh, through the waters of baptism. And so it's a reminder there of, of who they are. Anytime he uses the word saints, it's not just those who hear the word of God, but it's those who have been brought into the kingdom through the waters of holy baptism. Um, and so it's important that we, we emphasize both of those, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's easy enough just to focus on the word, but again, there's a um, background uh, hidden thing that if you're talking about holy ones or saints, those are those who have been baptized. Um, and so to keep the emphasis there too. Okay, um, will you finish us out with 27 through 29, please? To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these last three verses also give us more um, 
baptism language, again, without explicitly him saying baptism, um, to them God chose to make known uh, how great among the Gentiles are the riches and glories of this mystery, which is Christ in you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so where does Christ come into us? Where are we joined to him? But the waters of baptism. So Christ, yes, he comes to the whole world, but he also comes to each and every one of us individually in the waters of holy baptism where we are joined to him. Um, and now continuing on after baptism, he continually comes to us individually every week, right? Every time we go into his word, every time we receive his sacrament of his holy body and blood, Jesus is always coming to us, filling us, um, renewing us, and that's the beauty of our faith, right? The hope of, our, of the glory that is ours, the riches that are ours, because of what Christ has done, because we are joined to him, because he is always with us, right? He never, he never leaves his people, but he's continually coming to us um, and making us, uh, as it says in 28, mature in Christ. We are only mature in Christ because of what he continually does for us to build us up in the faith, right? Um, now, yes. And, with, and without using the term um, uh, means of grace, yeah. um, and maybe that's more of, a, more, more of a Lutheran term than a Paul term, uh, am, am yes. I right about yeah. that? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, but that's what he means by the riches of the glory. I mean, and, and, and in later as it was developed in Lutheran theology, we, we, we call it the means of grace. Absolutely. The different way that, that God comes to us. Yep, yep. Thank you for yeah, that clarification, for sure. Um, and in, in 28, when he's talking about um, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, um, who is wisdom incarnate? Christ himself too. Um, and so just this reiteration, he keeps, he keeps reminding us, as you just said, what we call now the means of grace. God is constantly coming to us through Christ to make us mature, to make us into his full creatures, right? Renewed now through the, his son's blood um, and presenting us now to him mature um, and, and being mature in Christ is understanding your faith uh, and, you know, bringing it to our people today. How are you mature in Christ? Well, you are constant in his word, constant in receiving his sacraments, constant in living out your vocation where God has placed you. You are mature because you are filled with Christ. You know who you are as his redeemed one, and now you are living out your faith on a daily basis. Um, well, and, and without defining it exactly, he kind of sets a, a, as a goal that we would all be mature. Mm -hmm. I, I guess recognizing that that some have maybe heard the word but don't really don't really understand it or haven't invested themselves yeah, in fully yeah. understanding it. But but the goal is that everyone would would embrace it fully. Um, right. Again, kind of breaking down that barrier between the the ones who know and the ones who don't know. Yes. Yeah. And connecting us back to what the second, third, sorry, the third verse in 23 of understanding that now we have the knowledge, but you must continue in it, right? Like, mm -hmm. so like you were saying, remaining stable and steadfast, um, implementing what you've learned, right? The secret that has now been revealed and given to you um, that you can be fully in it. Um, okay, and then last verse, 29. Uh, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Um, so the power for faith and salvation 
as well as the power to live by faith comes from God alone, right? And so um, all people suffer because of the fallen nature of the world, but Christians are called to a special form of suffering for the sake of Christ, um, and that can mean rejection, ridicule, persecution. Um, yet, we toil and we go through all of these things knowing that God is working all of this within us, right? To keep us steadfast, to keep us mature, to hold us, make sure we don't fall. Um, and so we continually rely on him knowing that our toil is for good moving forward in the church uh, and that he sustains us all through uh, the things of this life, um, knowing that Christ's saving work is working within us to keep us, to hold us, and to allow us to move forward on a daily basis until he brings us into that new creation on the last day. And he, um, he, he didn't mention it in this passage. It was more last week's passage, but acknowledging that it's uh, uh, in the spirit. In other words, kind of an, it's an oblique reference to our faith is built up by the spirit within us. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So, Paul, what, what hymn have you chosen for us today, or slash was chosen that we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, was chosen in a way because, uh, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, that there's a, um, when, when the hymnal was created, there was a, a list published along with it of suggested hymns of the day. Uh, those being hymns that really pick up on the themes for the particular day in the church here. And the one appointed for this day or for this, this coming week is number 536, One Thing's Needful. And it's because the, the, the gospel reading is the, the story of Mary and Martha. I think it's one well known to all of us and you're going to, that will be your sermon text it for will. this yep. Sunday. Um, and it's, it's just convenient that this, this hymn has been created that it, it mentions those uh, concepts of what Mary and Martha were struggling with. You know, what is our proper role? Is it to, it, it to, to be the, the servant um, or to sit at Jesus' feet? Mm -hmm. You know, which is, which is the role that, that we should be adopting? Right, right. Well, and, and I mean, maybe I'll talk about this and the answer, kind of like Pastor's sermon last week, is both, right? Mm -hmm. This is, but it's it's the proper context um, or order of events, like Pastor was saying with the Good Samaritan, that it's only once we sit at the feet of Jesus, right, and listen and absorb and be filled with Him, that we can go out and then serve, right? Um, and so that's also tying in with um, what Paul had been talking about in in the epistle reading, so. Right. This, this is a hymn we have not sung very much here. And, and part of the reason, I think, is because it, it does tie so directly to that. But when you look at, when you look at the stanzas, it's something you could sing it certainly at any, at any point in the church here. It's, it's categorized in the Redeemer section of the hymnal, which usually means, yeah, it, it's a, a, a hymn that, that has certainly the potential to be used more widely. Mm -hmm. And as I look there across the facing page, what is the other hymn? It's Beautiful Savior that's right. on the facing page, <laughs> which we, you know, you can sing at any, any time of the church here. Yep. Um, so it's, it's one of those kind of hymns, but it has a special stanza, stanza two, that actually talks about Mary and Martha. How were Mary's thoughts devoted, her eternal joy to find, as intent each word she noted at her Savior's feet reclined. So it talks about 
about Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, mm -hmm. waiting for him to reveal, or just really hanging on his his every word, yeah, which is how yeah. I picture it. Just, mm -hmm. just waiting for the, the the pearls of wisdom to just to just drop from his lips. Right. And um, it's it's just such a great image. And then that you know contrast with well, what was Martha doing? You know, she was busy prepping everything because right. of this of this. Uh, very important guests that they were hosting. Right. Um, but yeah, both things are very important, as as I'm sure you'll you'll bring together yep. in the sermon on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So this this uh, this text is drawn from uh, that passage in Luke where where from the gospel where it says one one thing is needful. Um, Luke Luke ten forty two. I didn't have that immediately handy to quote it. Quote it exactly. <sighs> Um, um, yep, so 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, 42, but one thing is necessary. That's how right. the, That's the ESV translation. translates it, yeah, yeah, so. And, and in, the, um, in the original German, the, the translation is Einzis Note. Note is, is something that's needed, something that's necessary, mm -hmm. needful. I mean, it's, it's a very close translation. Um, which happens to be the the name that's uh, assigned to the tune. Einzis note one yep. one thing is needful uh, because that is the text that this tune was was paired with back in the um, uh, back in the early 18th century, late late 17th century when these two yep. found these this text and this tune found each other. Um, What's interesting is this text comes out of the the Pietistic tradition, and there's a lot of a lot of hymns that come out of that. But we've over the centuries we've kind of gleaned, you know, which were, which are the ones here that are really going to stand the test of time. Right. Reflect right. a re reflect a, a personal belief in piety, most certainly, but but an accurate theology as well. Right. Right. Okay. And so. Um, the uh, the author of the text, Hermann Schrader, um, uh, sadly, uh, uh, his life was cut short. He only lived to be 33, and the composer of the tune only lived to be 32. So it, oh, wow. it's one of those painful reminders of of how really brief life was back in those days. If mm -hmm. if you lived to, to 40 or 50, you were very fortunate, fortunate right? Yeah. Indeed. So li life was was very fleeting. Um, but it's it's a wonderful hymn that, that ties in so nicely with what we were talking about with our epistle reading today, because it talks about acquiring acquiring this this wisdom and understanding, and it's not a it's not something that's reserved for only a, a, a small few. It's right. for everybody, and if we're willing to sit at Jesus' feet and open our ears and our hearts and our minds, uh, we too like like. Um, Mary will just soak it all in. Yep, exactly. And I, and I think it paints that so so very well. One thing that's that's kind of interesting that was one of the changes that's been made over time from uh, from the original is in stanza three there. Wisdom's highest, noblest treasure, Jesus is revealed in you. Originally, the um, the uh, translation directly out of the German was. Uh, uh, Jesus was or is concealed in thee. And I think what they okay. were trying to avoid there is that, again, there's this hidden knowledge that only certain people have 
access to. Right. But by changing it to is revealed in you, it's revealed to all of us. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not just those few. Interesting, okay. Um, was it always just the five stanzas? Um, yes. Okay. Yes, some with, some with different translators. Okay. Um, uh, but over time, it's been refined just to, uh, again, make it very clear that, that, it, that this revelation of knowledge is, is for everyone. And, it, and it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it, it makes us complete. It makes us mature, as we were, we were talking about in those last passages yep. from, the, from the epistle reading there. What's very interesting and striking about this, this hymn also is, is just the tune that it's paired with. It's, um, as it turns out, its origins were in a secular tune. Horror of horrors, you know, that, 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 that oh, okay. sec secular music actually becomes sacred. Yeah, it's happened yeah. over, over and over in the course of, of history. It may, it may not strike us as, as kind of a, a, a secular tune, but certainly from that period, that's what it, its origins were. Okay. A lot of them were morphed into uh, uh, sacred music. Um, the composer, uh, Adam Krieger, he felt himself at home in both realms. He did write a lot of sacred music, but he also dabbled in secular music. Hmm. And this just happens to be one that was derived from his part songs, at least it's thought. We, we have no definitive proof that he wrote this. It's okay. believed that, that, that he wrote this because it's of the, the type and quality of music that he wrote. There's very few other potential candidates for who might have composed this. And so we're, we're fairly certain that it's him, but we don't have any actual proof. Um, interestingly, uh, Krieger, I, I might note, um, he was a sacred music composer, and he was encouraged to apply for the position at St. Thomas Church in Leipzig, which was where Bach eventually took the job uh, many years later. Um, so he definitely was a very skilled composer if he was uh, encouraged to take this very prestigious right. post uh, and and be the the lead musician there. Um, he declined it um, oh. because of the because of the um, I I think it was kind of nuanced in the in the account I read because of the of the the workload that was all there because uh, it was a lot and if we if we read uh, Bach's biography we realize um, he had quite a lot on his plate. He had to not only compose the music for the church, serve as a musician, he also had to teach in the school. There was a school oh, okay, to it. Okay. So it was a, a very, and, and compose along the way. By the way, you're gonna, you're gonna generate a lot of uh, fine uh, uh, sacred music yes. here. Uh, <laughs> so hardly a 40, 40 hour a week job, probably much, much larger than that. So it sounds like maybe Krieger was a little put off by that and decided right. um, instead he was, called to be a private teacher to the elector there in Saxony. Probably oh. a, a little cushier job. So yeah, he, right. <laughs> he, he decided to stay there, well, you know. Yeah, I can't blame him, can't you blame can't, him. You yeah. can't blame him. The Do you light... know how old he was when he was offered that? Just thinking that he, he died at what, th you said 32? Yeah, 32. I, I, when, when he was encouraged yeah. encouraged to apply there, I think it was only a few years before his death, okay, actually. Okay. So, so again, yep. sadly. Sadly, only right. only lived to be uh, 32 years of age. Yeah, um, crazy. But nevertheless, uh, generated some uh, uh, created some interesting music here. Um, this this tune is is very unique in terms of uh, of our our 
Lutheran hymns, mm-hmm. even from that particular period, in that it has almost a split personality problem here. It starts out right. in a slower uh, duple meter, uh, that being um, there's either two or four beats per measure. And then it changes personality right in the middle and goes into a triple meter where there's three beats per measure. Originally, this, this tune was triple all the way through, but it was, it was changed um, it was changed when it was first published and paired with this text. And, and if you sing the first part of it, you can see how it perhaps was a triple meter. One thing's needful, Lord, this treasure teach me highly to regard. It was squared off yeah, into, yeah. A, into a duple meter. One thing's needful, Lord, this treasure teach me highly to regard. In the, in the form we have it now, it switches about, about halfway through back into that triple meter. Beneath it, the heart is still fretting and striving. So it, yeah. it, it makes for a very interesting tune to have this contrast halfway through. But you can see how maybe, maybe you could sing it as, with the triple meter. Yeah, all the way even, through. Even, yeah. even from the very beginning. Right. Interesting, like you had mentioned, it's one of those that, uh, even though it's in that Redeemer section, that seems universal. I don't think it's sung in most congregations unless it's being sung in this part of the lectionary, right, mm-hmm. and being suggested. So that much more uh, unique or complex that it has this um, two different meters within it, and the congregation might only hear it once every three years, you know, so to, to make it their own and to understand it and to love it um, just makes it that much harder. <laughs> yeah, 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 it should be sung more often. It really should because yeah. it's a, it, and it's not that difficult of a tune either. Um, it's very much, as many uh, very approachable hymn tunes are, it's just the scale, basically. Mm-hmm, right. Just up the scale, down the scale, very predictable patterns. Um, what I find um, um, hard to decide is which, which stanzas we ought to, to, to sing for right now, just oh, because, okay. I mean, they all, they all sing good, and maybe that's, you know, that's, uh, that's always the dilemma, especially if <laughs> I, I, I think of hymnal editors, if they're trying to uh, uh, maybe Pare uh, down a, cut down yeah. a, a hymn from maybe, you know, eight stanzas to, to four or five, you know, which ones do you get rid of? Well, there's so many good ones. How, right. do, you, how, do, you, how do you choose? Fortunately for us, this, this coming Sunday, we'll, we'll, we'll sing all five. Okay, um, great. And, and I think that's, uh, they're, they're well worth, worth doing. So for right now, um, why don't we, um, why don't we sing one, three, and five? One, three, and five, okay. One thing's needful, Lord, this treasure, teach me highly to regard. All else, though it first give pleasure, is a yoke that presses hard. Beneath it the heart is still fretting and striving, no true lasting happiness ever deriving. This one thing is needful, all others are vain. I count all but loss that I Christ may obtain. 
Wisdom's highest, noblest treasure, Jesus is revealed in you. Let me find in you my pleasure, and my wayward will subdue. Humility there in simplicity reigning, in paths of true wisdom my steps ever training. If I learn from Jesus this knowledge divine, the blessing of heavenly wisdom is mine. Therefore you alone, my Savior, shall be all in all to me. Search my heart and my behavior, root out all hypocrisy. Through all my life's pilgrimage, guard and uphold me in loving forgiveness, O Jesus, enfold me. This one thing is needful, all others are vain. I count all but loss that I Christ may obtain. The rhythms of the triple section, they're, they're somewhat reminiscent of some other uh, secular music from that period uh, and tunes like uh, India's Gladness, ah, uh, yes, which yes. Is, you, you kind of hear the influence of those, um, maybe that secular madrigal style that yeah. came in from Italy, and so that it does have that similarity there, and you can tell it's maybe from a from a secular source. Another thing that makes it problematic um, that this tune isn't sung more is is the poetic meter of it is eight seven eight seven twelve twelve eleven eleven. Well, that's that's highly unusual. Right, I mean, right. You won't find many poems written in that same <laughs> same meter. So again, though that text and tune pretty much are limited to you know to each other, mm -hmm. not very interchangeable. Yeah. Well, I'm glad though that and thankful that we are, we're singing all five, and that way just keep putting it before the congregation fully whenever it comes, you know, whenever we can. So yeah, it's 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 just the reminder that there's there's just such a wealth of of riches in the hymnal there, and and and. Um, you know, if you limited yourself to say, and I've, and I've heard of churches doing this, well, I realize there's over six, 600 hymns mm -hmm. in the hymnal. Let's pick 100 and just know oh, these okay. really, really, okay. really well. And, yeah. and the value to that is, yes, you do know them really, really, really well, and you may not even need to pick up the hymnal to do it. Right. But, um, uh, but there's I a guess, great treasure. Yeah, you know. I, I tend to fall in the camp of, yeah, but look over here. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's all these other really interesting hymns yeah. that, that, uh, that we're not singing here. So, um, uh, and, and over time, maybe that one, the, 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 the wise thing to do would be just rot rotate those mm -hmm. 100s, whichever they happen to be. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we have, we have a breadth and a history, a treasure uh, of, of hymnody in the Lutheran Church. So, Let's not stifle it and only let's try and do as much as we can, right? Yeah. Expose our people to it all. And that doesn't even include the ones that maybe people remember from earlier days that got yeah, left behind yeah. that did not, not get included uh, in this hymnal that were in the older hymnal. And as one hymnal editor pointed out, she, she said that, um, yep, sadly, with every new hymnal, something, it's, something is going to get left behind. Yeah, yeah. Because we tend to gravitate maybe towards the new and the novel 
um, hopefully of, of high quality. Right. But right. but but <laughs> but but over time things get left behind. I think about the many the many old uh, German tunes that were in some of our earlier hymnals that just nobody knew them because they didn't sing them frequently. They may have had very good theology, but for whatever reason, maybe the melody didn't get, engage them. The poetry did not stick with them. Right. And it was just decided, eh, we can do without that. Yeah, one, so we'll yeah. leave it behind. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, you can always criticize and critique. I think that we could both agree that there are definitely some in this new hymnal that we would like replaced. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Dr. Grimm's not listening. Uh, but yes, no, but we, we do have a, a great selection. And that's why, that's why it's, it's a work of a committee and exactly. not, not one person. Correct, correct. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, let's pick up with uh, the section in prayer back in the service book. Uh, oh, Lord. Have mercy upon us. Oh, Christ. Have mercy upon us. Oh, Lord. Have mercy upon us. Our, Our Father, who art, art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join us for worship this week, July 17th at 10 a.m. Uh, please note the change in time for this week. That is 10 a.m., one service at 10 a.m. And that will be followed by the Big Bash, it's our celebration outdoors with games and food and the final opportunity to say goodbye to our vicar, Vicar uh, Anthony Kailani.